This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and thanks for joining me for the next hour right here on News Talk 1010. So I've got some great guests lined up for us this week. We're going to find out some of the questions you should be asking of your home inspector. I've got Ray Zamet from Housemaster. He is a civil engineer home inspector. He will be joining us later in the hour. And where do you think interest rates are going? We're seeing a little bit of an uptick. Well, also, I've got Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage joining us. And let's see if we can solve the problem of interest rates for 2016. But before I go down that road, let's have a talk about some of the scuttlebutt in the marketplace. You know, it's interesting. It seems like all roads lead to real estate. You know, this week here in the GTA, of course, we had the cabbie uh, show. But the biggest problem was it stopped a lot of people from getting home on time. And there's my you know foray into real estate. Getting home, one of the most important places that people want to be at the end of the day. And, of course, we've got one developer here who is a presidential candidate in the United States who really stepped in it. And right now, We've got some counselors that are saying they want to have a building with his name on it, have the name removed. Now, the interesting thing is is that he actually doesn't own the building. He just happens to have the management company for it. So the people you need to talk to probably are going to be the condominium owners. Now, can you imagine, and I'm going to ask this question, and I don't need an answer, but I want you to think about it. Can you imagine being in a building and then all of a sudden somebody wants to rename it on you? I understand when somebody is you know, going to make a racist, derogatory comment out in the marketplace, and obviously his name is sitting on top of the building that you live in, I can understand that creating a big, big problem. But... That said, where is the legality of it? Can it happen? Well, it's going to be public opinion, I think, is going to have a big swaying vote on this one. And it should be interesting. Now, of course, we always talk about real estate here. And where is the market going this week? Well, a couple of indications that are telling us that the market is good, it's bad. All across the country, we've got varied reports coming in. It was interesting, though. You know, I recently saw a report from the Building Association saying the number of building starts was up this month of over 10%. So why are they starting to construct at the beginning of the winter. You know, one of the things that I think most people aren't aware of is actually the cycle of a builder and how everything is done. So let's just take this hypothetical building that's going to be built on this postage stamp lot right in the Toronto area. What is going to happen with that? The question is, is, you know, where does it start? Where does it finish? But more importantly, when does it finish? A lot of these builders have made commitments to people saying it will be completed, oh, perhaps in the next, I don't know, maybe uh, three to four years. But when you have construction starting in the winter, a lot of times there can be delays. Now, 
This is a very rare year. Sitting in 2015, we're taking a look at the weather outside and we're saying, hey, listen, you could put a shovel in the ground, start digging, cement's going to harden, and we don't have any major snow days. So you know what? This is not a bad year to start. But can you imagine if we look back at 2014 this time? You know what? We had 20 centimeters of snow on the ground. We'd already had some closures of schools. We had really tough times getting into the city. Can you imagine starting construction during that time? And this is one of the things that a lot of builders, when they start anticipating when they're going to do the major stuff, they try to make sure it's done at the right season. So think about this. Um, There's no reason for them not to dig a foundation and get all the cranes in and everything done throughout the winter months. This makes a lot of sense. A lot of times where they have to be careful and they have to make sure it's during the right season is when they're starting to close the building, they need the warmth to start finishing the actual building inside. So when we see these starts, a lot of people would say, wow, why are you starting in the winter? Well, the truth be told is that it's a good time. And you're going to find a lot of the residential properties done this way. So whenever you want to get kind of a voice of reason, I hope you join me, Todd C. Slater, here on Simply Real Estate. I'm always going to be able to open up the phones and let people have a conversation with me about real estate in general. And a lot of times the guests that we're going to be bringing on are people that are actually living and breathing in the system right now. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to have some great guests this week and they are currently active in the actual industry in some form. Now, when we talk about real estate in general, we've got to talk about the season and the market. And let's take a look at December, for instance. December is a very, very interesting month in real estate. We had no let up through the month of November. And right now we see a ton of open house signs that are driving people into almost the busiest family season and what typically would have been the slowest real estate season. But yet we see sales continue. Why? Why is this happening? For most of you, you know, you're sitting there saying, hey, listen, we want to get ready for the holidays. It's the time of year. This is our home time, family time. We're not thinking of selling. So is this the time of year that somebody should be selling a home? Remember, There are a lot of times people are transferring, some people immigrating into Canada. We've got people that are going across country, coming in from other countries, of course. But more importantly, there are people that have to sell because perhaps their builder home is going to be ready for them in February, maybe March, and they cannot turn around and do what they call a leverage mortgage, meaning that they can own two properties at the same time. So they have to have their home sold. Can you turn around and carry two homes at once? This is the one question you have to ask yourself. So this is why when you have a builder's closing, let's say in the winter, you have to be prepared to have your home sold in the fall and the winter. So why are we seeing homes still selling? Because we still have buyers. Why do we still have buyers? Because we still have sellers. That's the one thing, folks, that you have to keep in mind. Real estate right now has lost its cycle. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to have a busy spring in 2016. Chances are we're going to have a phenomenal spring. If interest rates stay under control, we're going to have an incredible spring in 2016. But it's interesting. And you know what? I'm going to keep you up to date 
each week in the marketplace, letting you know what kind of sales are happening, what's going on. Because more importantly, we need to see if the market's staying alive. And I think it's going to. I think we're going to see a really strong December, probably a record breaker. And I think we're going to see the same in January and February. Typically, when agents are just wiping off the snow off their cars in the month of January, thinking of going back to work, I think they're, this year they're going to be hustling right through the holidays. And if that's the case, then we're going to definitely break that $100,000, sorry, that 100,000 unit mark. And I think we're already almost there. We're, you know, coming through December, I think we're probably going to get over 102 to 103,000 units sell in the GTA area. So what can we pull out next year? I don't know. Can we do a repeat of 100,000 units? Interest rates will be a huge factor on that. I'm not sure if we're going to do it. But even if we are relatively close, if we're in the 90,000 unit mark, that's still going to be what we would deem a record even a few years ago. So is the market going to fall apart? I don't think so. But we've got lots to talk about this hour about real estate and where we're going with you know, the year in advance, what you should do, how you should be precautionary, what you're thinking about doing for yourselves. So quick checklist, okay? I always like to tell people this, and I normally will tell you January 1, what you should be doing to get your home ready to sell. But I'm going to tell you now, because there are those people that are still putting their houses in the market. First and foremost, declutter. I don't care if you have to go rent a unit, you know, it's going to cost you $300 a month. Go rent a unit and declutter. People want to see the square footage, most importantly. Second of all, paint. You know what? It's the holidays. You're going to have some free time. Once the Christmas decorations are down, get a coat of paint on the walls that have been beaten up. Look, you have to turn around and give somebody a clean canvas to look at. If you've got the smarty room, make sure you paint it. Neutralize a few colors. I'm not going to tell you to depersonalize. A lot of people will tell you, take down the family pictures. I don't agree. If you're selling a family home, you want a family to buy it, they have to know that a family lives there. You don't have to turn around and put the standard frame that says picture goes here, okay? What you want to do is keep some personality behind it. But because the weather has not fallen apart on us quite yet, you can still do a little bit of cleanup landscaping. You know, make sure that the leaves are gone. Make sure that, you know, when the walkways, when we eventually do get snow, if you're going to be showing your house in the winter, don't have leaves that are in the walkway, you know, frozen into it. Make sure everything's nice and clean. Make sure you've got somebody that can help you out with the ease troughs. Make sure those are clean. Remember, people can still do home inspections throughout the winter. You don't have to worry about that. So make sure everything you can do as preventative medicine happens now. Now, you know what? When we talk about changing your batteries and your smoke detectors, do it now as well. And if you haven't already, normally we do it at the time change, as well as your furnace filters. Clean up your furnace. You're going to have a home inspection. The home inspector is going to take a look at that furnace and make sure it is clean. You know, one of the best things you can do is rent a steam cleaner. Go through, make sure the carpets look nice and fresh. Make sure you've done all your decluttering. Get the house ready. Make sure it's nice and fresh. I always tease people, bake cookies, not just because the realtors like them, but it also leaves a nice, fresh smell. If not, leave a pot of coffee on. These are the kind of little tips that a lot of people should utilize. Making a house smell inviting, making it look nice and clean, nice and decluttered. These are the kind of things that you can do and you can do now. So when we come back, we are going to be talking to... 
Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage, and we're going to talk about interest rates when we come back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back to Simply Real Estate. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. So, you know what? I've got a great guest joining me now. It is Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. We're going to be talking about interest rates and a little bit more about the market. Welcome and thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. In one of our other shows, I had you as a guest. We were talking a lot about first-time home buyers, but you know, there's so much going on in the lending market, rates changing. You know, I thought I'd bring you on and say, hey, listen, what's going on right now in the market? Why are rates fluctuating? up and down the way they are, where we're seeing the Bank of Canada stay just exactly where it is? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we're seeing, you know, in the face of, you know, interest rates rising, we're seeing the fixed rates rising, we're seeing the variable rate discounts getting cut. Uh, our finance minister, Stephen Pelos, comes on, uh, comes on the other day and basically says he's talking about Canadian interest rates can go into the negative. Uh, so it's kind of you're getting conflicting stories. You know, we're seeing rates going up, and then we're hearing the finance minister say that they can go down into negative. So, um, I mean, I, I think, and again, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of speculation here, but, um, you know, I've seen a bit of a cyclical thing in the last three to four years where, you know, we've seen October, November, December, we've seen some rates jump up. And then before the spring summer market, we've seen the rates come back down. Now, is that you know happening right this moment? It's tough to say. I mean, I think there's definitely a pattern there. But then I also believe that with the U.S. Fed talking about increasing the rate, we're not really sure if this is hitting the money markets hard or what. But I mean, from a, from a personal standpoint, I see a pattern. So I'm kind of thinking that hey, you know what? Let's this might just be something that's been happening in the last couple of years. Maybe we'll see the rates come back down this spring or summer. But that's that's. You know, that's kind of where I'm looking at things as far as for what I can see from a pattern standpoint. Well, one of the things that I noticed uh, over the last couple of weeks, though, we've seen some record lows in oil. You know, we've got some mixed emotions. We've got some record highs in sales in the GTA area, of course. You know, we, we broke the record in November, over 730 sales. You know, uh, month of December, it still seems active. You know, there are... Uh, signs out there for open houses. This is not a general market. This is almost nothing I've ever seen before. You know, spending the last 25 years in this industry, I don't remember seeing so many open houses, you know, through the December, the month of December. I'm, I'm with you. This is uh, November and December for us personally, for Butler Mortgages. This is a uh... These are record November and December's that we've never seen before as far as volume and numbers. So, yeah, I mean, the market, the actual real estate market is still just so strong. Um, you know, it would be nice if the rates were still what they were in the summer for sure. That would certainly, that would certainly keep it even hotter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it, this is kind of, like I say, I agree with you. This is kind of an unheard time. I don't remember ever seeing a November, December like this. Uh, and, you know, and in the face of rate increases, you know, albeit slight, uh, we're still seeing just a tremendous amount of activity. I mean, every day my, my staff keeps saying, when is the December break coming? Because we always kind of know in December it will slow down a little bit. People aren't buying as many homes. But 
I mean, I don't know if it's the weather being great or what, but it is just, the, the market is just on, on fire right now. So. Well, you know, it was interesting because I was listening to BNN uh, earlier in the week, and there was a comment, real estate over the next five years is going to be uh, a waste of money, that there's going to be no no increases in values, people are wasting their money, stay renting, stay in the shoeboxes. <laughs> and, you know, I, I would have to disagree with this entirely, looking at it from a perspective that I don't think that the market itself is just being generated by interest rates. I mean, you know, you get a little bit of a tick up, but yet you still see people buying. And I think people have finally recognized that, you know, home ownership is probably the best place for them. We should never be talking short term because you and I Mm -hmm. both know the idea of flipping in and out of real estate can be quite costly, you know, breaking mortgages. But does it seem a little bit more significant than just the fact that we've got interest rates driving this market? Yeah, I mean, I think that the people that are talking about, you know, over the next five years, there, there may not be any increases. If you look back, they might also be the same people that were saying that last year, the year before, the year before that. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's guys that are out there that for the last 10, 12, 13 years, every year have been saying, oh, oh rates, you know, rates are going to start to go up a bit, meaning the market's going to, you know, it's going to start to really slow down. There's not going to be any increases. Uh, you know, truth is, that guy's been wrong 12, 13 years in a row. I mean, eventually he may be right, but I just don't believe it's this year. I mean, I just don't see how how all of a sudden with rates still where they are. Again, these are these are and what I would, you and I would consider micro increases. I mean, this isn't going up to 18%. We're talking about going from 2.49 to 2.89. So, I mean, at the end of the day, with these types of increases, these aren't anything major. So affordability is always still going to be there when you have the rates and the twos and the threes and the fours. So, uh, you know, I, I, I disagree with the gentleman just like yourself in that, you know, it's yeah. Are we going to see eventually the market start to slow down? Sure, but why all of a sudden in the midst of the hottest real estate market is now 2016 going to be a bad year? It just doesn't you know. Just from a from looking as a normal person, it doesn't seem to make that much sense to me. So, yeah, you know, in all fairness, I think what we see a lot of these times is the fact that we've got a lot of people that you know they they they've been predicting the sky's falling. I call them Chicken Little. <laughs> you know, it's always Chicken Little is always saying the sky's going to fall. It, it has not happened, but yet I don't think that people should go in being overconfident and start doing a speculation that they can they can pay a certain price with the mentality that the you know price is going to continue to go up and go through the roof. I don't think people should do that. I think people should still stay within their financial means. Oh, absolutely. I think you have to kind of look at each end of the spectrum. I mean, you've got the guys like is the chicken littles that are calling for the sky to fall. Uh, you've also got the guys that tell you, oh yeah, I'm going to buy a property and it's going to make me so much money. And that's what I think you have to definitely be somewhere in the middle. You have to be looking at both ends of the spectrum, taking into consideration the pros and cons to each, and kind of making your decision from there. I think, you know, again, I think a lot of people that are getting into real estate, if they're expecting to hit it big, and this is going to be their big thing, I think, you know, it, 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 you really need to try to look at the overall growth and try to expect something in that range. Uh, so, I mean, I'm absolutely with you. I think that at certain points, something's got to happen. I mean, Todd, we've been around for a while. My family's done this for all you've done this for a long time i mean the rates where they are now seem to be very low comparatively to what we've seen in the past so i mean at a certain point most people like ourselves would say okay at some point they're going to go up you know when is the question and then what are the market factors affecting the real estate where are we at as far as that is there still a lot of foreign money coming in that's another thing that a lot of people discount is that there is tons of foreign money coming in that's 
flooding the markets in Toronto and in Vancouver. And from an interest rate going from 2.49 to 2.89, is that going to really affect that foreign buyer? I don't know. I try to be very realistic about where things will be and never get myself too overconfident or underconfident. Dave, thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Um, You know, it's always good to get a great update from somebody like yourself, a professional at uh, Butler Mortgage. Thanks for joining us here at uh, Simply Real Estate. Thanks again, Todd. I really appreciate it. And when we come back, we'll be talking more about real estate. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now back to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back to Simply Real Estate and I am your host, Todd C. Slater. And earlier I was talking about bringing on a special guest uh, today and his name is Ray Zamet. Ray is a civil engineer as well. He is a home inspector with 20 years experience and joining us on the line is Ray Zamet from Housemasters. Thanks for joining us today, Ray. Thank you, Todd. Pleasure to be here. So, Ray, you've been in this industry for over 20 years, and I think that's a bit of a record for a lot of people. In this business, it is a bit of a record. It's a tough business, and uh, we're quite proud um, to wear that badge, 20 years of service. So, Ray, you know, if I'm not mistaken, that means that you must have at least accumulated thousands and thousands of home inspections. Is that correct? Uh, Oh, absolutely. So, you know, it's an interesting thing because I'm not sure if a lot of our listeners know, you know, really how a to get in touch with home inspections or a home inspector, somebody that's qualified. Ray, is there currently a qualification out there that separate home inspectors? Well, that's a good and difficult question to answer. As we stand right now, there is no legal requirement uh, to license or certify a home inspector. So absolutely anybody, yourself, your daughter, can become a home inspector tomorrow if they're willing to print uh, business cards. Um, So having said that, um, we're not totally just wild animals in the bush here. We we do have associations. We do have organizations that uh, train and, and certify home inspectors, although it's all voluntary. You don't have to be members of these associations. I think you would like to find a home inspector that is. Um, you're going to be asking your real estate agent, family, friends uh, for referrals. Um, agents, of course, uh, deal with a lot of home inspectors, and they start to feel uh, comfortable with certain inspectors or their qualificational professionalism a bit more than others. And same thing with family and friends. If they've had a positive experience, that you may want to get their recommendations. Well, you know, Ray, one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, I know over the years is that, and as you mentioned, there's a lot of different home inspectors out there, as there are agents, as you and I both know. And one of the things, though, is that if we're looking at home inspectors, you know, what should people, you know, kind of have an expectation as far as an experience? I mean, here you are, you are a trained civil engineer, so you definitely have a background in things that I would uh, foresee as being structural. Uh, you have a better understanding of construction. Um, you know, what What makes a good home inspector? Okay, so background experience is, is definitely uh, beneficial. Uh, where you've come from before you started doing home inspections is, is very valuable. But you can't just stop there. Um, you want to see uh, at least uh, the organization they're with. Um, is it a reputable company with a long track record, a company that likes to train uh, their inspectors? Are they member of, members of associations? Um, there's several associations out there, unfortunately, not just one. Uh, some, of course, more than, 
more beneficial than others. But, you know, you can look at um, OHI, CAPI, um, those are the Ontario and Canadian um, associations. There's NIBI and other schools that uh, provide training um, to home inspectors. Uh, so there's lots out there. Um, you want to make sure he's insured. Um, extremely important. Um, insurance is a little difficult to obtain. Um, the less experienced, less qualified inspectors may have a harder time obtaining insurance. You don't want to hire an inspector without one. Um, that's just too important, too high of a risk for you to take take on if you don't have insurance. So, Ray, that's a really interesting question. So when, when you talk about insurance, is this in case you make a mistake? So for clarity for our listeners, you know, should they ask their home inspector for a copy of their insurance rider? Um, you certainly could ask. Um, at least ask the question, are you insured? Um, we have been asked to provide copies of uh, our insurance certificates, which we have made available. Um, not too many people go to that level. They'll usually accept our word. But, yes, yeah, it's very important because it protects the home inspector, but more importantly, it protects the home buyer. Um, it's errors and omissions insurance, E&O insurance, and it protects um, the home buyer in case the inspector has made a very serious uh, mistake. Um, there was an error in judgment, and what he thought was a minor issue became a major issue. And, um, you know, if things uh, progress in a negative way, you may need his insurance to help you uh, settle uh, the, these differences or these issues. So I think it protects all parties. It protects the, the vendors, the buyers, and the home inspectors. Okay. And, and, and that's good because obviously, you know, there are things that perhaps even the best of uh, home inspectors cannot see. Like you, you don't Absolutely. have x-ray vision, obviously. Absolutely. And, yeah. and if something does go wrong, you know, if there's some form of recourse for a home buyer, and again, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a default on the, home, the actual home inspector. But, you know, it's interesting, Ray, because when, when people are out looking for a home inspector, you know, obviously a lot of times people will take a referral or perhaps they'll Google, you know, home inspections yeah. in the area. But how is it best approached when, and, and let's put on our buyer's hat for a second. Let's say I'm a buyer and I want to, you know, just have a conversation with one or two home inspectors because I'm trying to determine, you know, uh, who I should hire. What is the best course of action for a buyer? Is there certain questions, uh, you know, of course, insurance, but what else should the, the buyer be asking? Yep, insurance is just one small part of it all. Um, unfortunately, the first call we always get is how much does a home inspection cost? And, um, and really, this is not a service that you want to try to get the best price. You really want to get the best inspector. So you're going to ask for that person's qualifications and experience. How long has he been doing this? Um, you know, what was your background? You know, what do you guys do to maintain yourself in a current status? Do you attend associations, courses, things along those nature? Insurance, we talked about. Are you a member of any associations? Um, like I said, is it OHI, CAPI, NIBI, uh, International? There's a whole slew of them. Again, some are better than others, but at least being part of an association is, is a leap or, or, or a head start. Okay. So, folks, if you're just tuning in right now, I'm Todd C. Slater. You're listening to Simply Real Estate. And my guest this hour is Ray Zamet. And Ray is a home inspector. His company is House Masters. Ray, is there a contact um, number or website that people can go to to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you could reach me at 905-569-2664. 
better yet, um, email is really the best way to uh, communicate with me at rzamit, that's R-Z-A-M-M-I-T, at housemaster.com. And, of course, online at housemaster.com. Excellent. So, Ray, we were just talking about, you know, some of the reasons or... or and, and, and we kind of skirted one issue um, when we are talking about price. We didn't talk about price, but for a good home inspection, I'm just looking for a generality. What should people be looking at spending for a good home inspection? You're probably looking, at, and it will vary. It'll vary on uh, age, size of house, style. Is it a two-story home? Is it a condo? Is it a small townhouse? But really, budget around $500. Uh, with taxes and everything, you should be in that price range, a little bit more, a little bit less. Like I said, it will vary on the uh, particular house that you're buying. Um, but I, I think 500 is a good starting point. Well, you know, the interesting thing, and I don't think most people are aware of this, Ray, is the fact that in a home inspection, I'm pretty sure most cases you're going to find at least $500 in deficiencies. I mean, I don't know a home out there that I ever represented when selling and buying for clients or for that matter, if I was, you know, out building or renovating. I don't know any home that is that squeaky clean that you can't find $500 worth of issue in. Minor issues are almost guaranteed to come up during the course of an inspection. I mean, uh, almost 100% of the time. Of course, we're looking at the more serious, more costly issues, anything that affects the major systems of the house, and and that's when numbers can start to climb. Um, You know, where you're talking new roofing or new wiring, windows, uh, furnaces, uh, we're no longer talking hundreds of dollars, but possibly thousands of dollars. So, oh yeah, uh, to me, I know I'm, I'm a little biased, but... A $500 investment on the biggest purchase uh, of your life, I, I think it's, it's very good value. Yep. So, Ray, just quickly, just a quick uh, comment from you, if I can. Um, people going into multiple offers and they want to go in firm, what do you think to that? <laughs> very dangerous. You're playing with fire. Um, I'd love to see the pre-inspection program kind of gather more speed. Uh, it's, it's growing in popularity in Toronto, a um, little bit more so in the birds. Um, I would love to see pre-inspection, meaning that the vendor will uh, provide a home inspection before the house is on the market. Yep. Um, Putting basically the cart before the horse. Yep. Well, listen, Ray, I'd like to thank you for joining us today. Obviously, you know, you're very busy. I know that. It's still a busy season, but uh, definitely we'd love to have you come back on our show and join us another time and be able to take some calls. So, uh, Ray, thanks for joining us here at Simply Real Estate. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Okay. Thanks so much, Ray. Folks, that was Ray Zamet, and he was a home inspector from Housemasters. You know, just some good clarity on what is out there in the marketplace and what you should keep in mind when talking to home inspectors. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some developers and their idea that condos are going to continue to go up when we come back. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Welcome back to Simply Real Estate, and I am your host, Todd C. Slater. So we've had an interesting show so far. You know, some great guests, but more importantly, my last guest, Ray Zamet, home inspector from Housemasters. You know, he made an interesting point, and I just wanted to kind of finish off the thought. 
For those of you that are out there and you're battling out in competition, because a lot of you do, you know, I know that when there are multiple offers and you can be anywhere from, you know, two to 50 offers on a property, there's always losers. And, you know, when I say that you're a loser when you don't get the house, it's obviously not a negative thing. Uh, Sometimes it's very, very much positive thing. But when we take a look at it, you know, when you're in multiple offers, and one of the things I've always told people, if you're sure about the house, if you're committed to getting the house, you don't want to go in firm unless you've had a pre-inspection. And it was interesting um, because, you know, I was um, having a uh, conversation with my producer, Ian Grant. And one of the things that Ian had brought to my attention was the fact that he actually went through, you know, several scenarios where he had to go through, you know, several inspections. And it's true. So when Ray points out that a good home inspection can be $500, if you go after three, four, five, six homes, then you could be spending up to $3,000 and not getting the home that you wanted. And this is where being a committed buyer really is important. And yes, I know it sounds like you're throwing money away, but don't go in with the idea that you'll go in firm no matter what. And this is just, you know, it's interesting because one of the things that I found, and I struggle with this, is that, of course, I think that no matter what, everybody should be allowed a home inspection. Yeah, I know a lot of my colleagues out there would be sitting there saying, are you crazy? Firm is the only way to go. And when selling homes, one of the things I always made sure was the firmest offer was always going to be the better one to go with. But, you know, when you look at it today, people are spending so much money on a home. And if you have confidence as a seller in your home and you have nothing to hide, then allowing them the time to be able to do a home inspection, I don't think should be an issue. But then again, that takes away that firm, that firm and binding deal that you get right there that night, that that moment, and you complete your deal. So I know I'm kind of live, living in a fictitious fairy tale uh, world when I sit there and say, hey, listen, let's all get along and everybody get a home inspection. But the truth is, is that if you're committed, even if you have to do it before your offer gets accepted, even if it's that you're going to lose, it's a lot better to lose $500 or $1,000 than it is to lose Thirty or forty or fifty thousand dollars on a home that you don't know anything about. When you take a look at costs, this is the hardest thing that for people to understand. What does a roof cost on the average home in Toronto? Well, the problem is is that that's a varying number, and what most people don't realize is some of their homes, some of the older ones, still have two sets of shingles on them. What they did was years ago they outlawed it but they used to do overlays and there's still some around. And then of course, there's what they call the sheeting. That's the plywood that's sitting uh, over the joist, the rafter aspect of, of the roof. So the joists that are between the shingles and the tar paper and the actual attic. So eventually that starts to rot. And when a roofer comes in to give you a quote, he's going to tell you it costs so much per sheet that they have to replace. But it's amazing how many sheets have to be replaced sometimes. And then we start talking about things such as venting. The reason why your roof, of course, you know, sometimes will will go early, meaning it doesn't last last the true lifespan. I always get a kick out of those shingles that say 30 years. There's no such thing as a real 30-year shingle unless it's metal. So when somebody says 30-year shingle, it's a 20-year roof. But when that happens, a lot of times people say, put an extra venting into your attic, which means that it lets the moisture out and that way your roof does not rot quite as quickly and it keeps it more balanced. And so you don't have that issue. 
So all of these things can happen. But does anybody know what a roof costs? Well, roofs can range anywhere from 5000 for a very, very, very small roof, if it has to be totally replaced, to anywhere from 50000 It depends on the square footage of the home and how much damage and how much repair needs to be done. Now, you know, we'll go back to that $1,000 that we are talking about, two home inspections. So let's say you lost the first, the first offer, but you get the second one. And you said, wow, you know, I've already spent $1,000 on a home inspection. Well, what if they took the uh, home inspector turned around and said, the roof is shot, I went in the attic, all the wood's rotting, you're going to have to have it replaced, and you get a price, and it's going to cost you $10,000. The question is, is that $1,000 worth, or that $500 that you did on that one home inspection, is it worth the $10,000 you have to pay for that roof? Of course it is, because now you know going into the purchase of this property, you've got money to spend, and you have to spend it right away. These are the kind of things that I think that people need to be more focused on. When buying properties, it's not just about winning, folks. It's about getting what you want. Beating other people in multiple offers should not be the goal. It's getting your family their home. And to me, that's the most important thing getting yourself the right home. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Over the last 30 years in real estate, in one form or another, one of the things I've learned is that developers themselves, you know, talk a lot about how great their developments are and what's going on in the marketplace. And recently, a Toronto condominium developer has thrown out saying that he believes that prices are going to go up by 40% in the condominium market. And in my opinion, I'm just shaking my head saying, okay, wow, you know what? I would love to know what they put and mixed in with his drink because that's some pretty crazy numbers, 40% in today's condominium market. Now, we may be able to talk about that 20 years from now, but is that realistically going to happen in the next year or two or three or five or 10? I mean, if it was 10, that's 4% a year. Well, that would be some pretty serious continued growth in the condominium market. I don't think we're going to see that number, but hey, listen, apparently this, this developer has never been wrong. He's making claims that he's known this for years and he continues to be right. But we have to look at cycles. And There are real estate cycles, and we have to be careful of that. You know where an area that's actually having a cycle right now is the Fort McMurray area in the province of Alberta. It's not just the real estate that's starting to, you know, slow down. It's the number of realtors. In fact, they're kind of dramatically dropping out of the business. And believe it or not, I've always believed in a slowdown in a market to be a really good thing. Let's get rid of the part-timers. You know what? Whenever we see a market slow down in real estate, the part-timers are the ones are the first to go, the ones that are, you know, aren't investing in the business. There's always going to be a need for realtors. There's always going to be a need to be able to sell properties. You know, people have to sell for all sorts of reasons. You know, we always talk about life happening. Guess what? Life does happen. Sometimes you have to sell. Sometimes you have to move. Sometimes you get transferred, death, taxes, divorce, absolutely everything. Real estate will always transact no matter what. There's always going to be a room for cream of the crop. But right now in Fort McMurray, they're probably just skimming off some off the top right now because the market's slowed down. But yet we still see a strong market in our marketplace. We see it in Vancouver, some of the other areas in Canada. We see the U.S. having a very resilient market. They're starting to make a little bit of uh, uh, inroad on their absolute catastrophic losses of 2008. And you know what? They're seeing their market bounce back. 
Now, they never had to worry about New York because, uh, you know, a couple of their main cities, Boston, New York, you know, some of the ones in California, those properties really didn't fluctuate much in the 2008 crash. And this is why I always come back to the fact that Toronto, Toronto is a very, very solid market. We've got a split market. I know people always ask me, Todd, when you say split market, what is that? A split market is that there are two forms of real estate transacting. Actually, there's three. Uh, even four. We can talk about commercial and industrial. But when I talk residentially, there are two kinds, condominium and then freehold. And freehold, of course, is the fact that you own the outside walls. When it's condominium, the condominium owns the outside walls. So you own the inside. You can actually have condominium detached. You don't own the land underneath the property, just own inside the property. So there's all sorts of different determinations of it. But right now, the condominium market is the one that we are keep our eye on right throughout the year. I think 2016 will really tell us what the market's going to look like in the condominium market. If it continues, and if as long as it's steady, and we're not getting, you know, overrun uh, by too many more builders coming into the market, you know, I think if we kind of slow that down a little, I think if the volume of new properties coming into the market stabilizes a little, I think that we can eat up the inventory. But I think if they keep pushing harder and harder and trying to get more and more building permits, I think we're going to hit that saturation point where we can turn around and have too much supply, not enough demand. But then there's the absolute opposite direction that we're going right now with the Toronto detached market. So this is this is the you know wartime style bungalows, just nice little two story homes. You know, right around the corner here from uh, from the station. You know, we've got all sorts of areas that right now you just you know people are lining up to get in the door. I think that that market is still going to have a very, very strong market, despite the fact what we've got some financial people out there saying, hey, listen, real estate's a bad investment. Folks, real estate's never a bad investment when you're creating a home out of it. Remember, this should not be deemed the business. If you want to talk about investment real estate, well, then I'll tell you. I'll give you a number if you want to talk about investment real estate. The number is 905-812-2524, and that's our number at The Simple Investor. You know, The Simple Investor was based built on the premise of working with investment real estate. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com. You can always reach me. When you want to talk about investment real estate, that's one of the most important things out there for people to build future wealth. Again, real estate is held long term. If you want to know more about The Simple Investor, like I said, go to thesimpleinvestor.com. I'd love to hear from you if you have questions about investment real estate. In the new year, we're going to have some new projects coming out with The Simple Investor. I'm not going to over-talk about the product right now, but keep checking our website, keep touching base with us, because we've got more coming up in the new year for our investor clients. So, you've been listening to Simply Real Estate. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week at 4 p.m. on Saturday.